Courtside Club is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook. You bet you get with Caesar's Rewards. Must be 21 or older. Do you have a medal? Oh, yeah. But at the Olympics, they don't give a medal to the staff. So you want a medal. You want a little souvenir. Of and course. I found mine on eBay. Wait. <laughs> What's up, you guys? I'm Rachel Demita, and welcome to the Courtside Club. Today, I am joined by sport performance osteopath. Yes. Fabrice uh, Gautier. Yes, perfect. Welcome nice to the Courtside Club. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to have you. We've known each other for a little while now, and mm -hmm. I thought this conversation would be a really good one for our courtside audience. Yeah. I talk to a lot of athletes, entertainers, but we don't get the other side of the sport. We see them on the court. We look at their highlights. We talk about how they play in a game, but we don't really understand everything that they go through off the court. Mm -hmm. And you're a big part of that. For our courtside club viewers, tell them a little bit about what you do. I'm coming from France. I came uh, to the United States in 99. Um, I'm a physical therapist and a European osteopath, which is a little bit more like a chiropractor. And I've been working with professional athletes pretty much all my life back in France and when I moved to uh, LA a little bit less for the first few years and then it kind of came back to me and I've been the osteopath for the French national team um, with Tony Parker, Boris Dia, all those guys, Nick Batum and I you know, opened the practice in LA and started to work with some of the best athletes in the world little you by little word to, of mouth you don't have to be humble no, i didn't set, yeah. set you up properly you work with some of the biggest athletes across all professional sports yeah nba nfl soccer some of them some of them yeah, yeah because Not you know there's like them. nba for example there's 450 players about so there's room for everyone but i work with some that are <laughs> I'm very uh, fond of because they are, they are really nice guys uh, or girls because I work also with WNBA players. And um, Candice is somebody, right? Yep. No, she's more than somebody. She's like my little sister. Yeah. <laughs> Candice, Chelsea Gray, uh, Shine Ogumike, uh, Neka Ogumike, I started this year. Um, yeah, no, no. Powerhouses in sports. Yes, you worked yeah. with Carmelo Anthony for a long yeah, time for, as well. Since 2010. Uh, Carmelo, Cal Kuzma right now, uh, and Ray Robertson, obviously, that's how we met, mm -hmm. uh, which was a crazy story. Wait, how did you guys meet? <laughs> um, I, Frankie, I only know Frankie, from the office yeah. visits. <laughs> Fra Frankie Delgado. Okay. So when, when Andre was struggling a little bit with basically was not able to play, uh, Frankie gave him my informations. Uh, Frankie Delgado is a former actor, manager at Hyde. And, he's the guy uh, in LA. Guy in Everybody LA. knows Frankie. <laughs> and, um, and he hooked us up. And Andre was at, uh, I would say, probably at the end of thinking that he was not going to play again. And we started to work together, me and Behrens Betos, which is a, a very close friend of mine who's a neuromuscular therapist that worked with Kobe for 20 years. And we started to try to get him better, and we got him. We got him better in like three, four months, and he played in the bubble. Yeah, yeah that that's was how a, we met. So when I met Dre, he I didn't follow much of his story beyond that. I know I knew he got hurt, but I didn't know mm -hmm. the intricacies of it. And when I first met him, he wasn't even walking properly. I actually felt bad a couple times because we would hang out, 
and I would forget that he was injured. Yes. And so I'd just be walking normally. Be walking crazy. And I would turn around. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Cause he would just be coming down the stairs. So I've seen that journey from, you know, a couple months after surgery to, to working with you, to getting back in the bubble. I actually cried seeing him play for Me the too. first time. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. I was there. I was in the bubble with Rudy Gobert. Yeah. With the Utah Jazz. And we were watching the game in the treatment room. That's awesome. And there's uh, two players like that that made me cry. Like when it, it was so emotional for him to come back and hit those frees, which he wasn't necessarily the best at doing so. Yeah. Um, and just to see him, I, I'm telling you, I, I cried. Oh, he, I did yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah, like, yeah. wait, what's it was, happening? It was, I was very, I was it. so happy <laughs> for him because I knew how hard it was to come back from that. And that's how I started my business pretty much. I had... The, the players were like, I had Jackie Gemelos for, she played the, at USC. Uh, she, I think she was recruited by UConn at like 13 years old. She okay. was that yeah. amazing basketball player. She tore her first ACL in high school, last game. And uh, she tore it five more times at USC. Oh, wow. And she got drafted by Minnesota. But when she came into the office, she was like, I'm done. And, and is that, it was the same ACL or bo- different? Both knees. Oh, wow. She just kept kept tearing it out. And um, Alison Geller, our agent, introduced me to her. And we started to work together. And she played it like seven years. And first time I saw her play against the Sparks, I think she, I don't remember. I think she was with the Chicago Sky. And she took a big girl off the dribble and scored a layup. The whole family was there. Everyone was crying. Everyone was like... The, the amount of, of strength, mental strength and right. work you have to put in, the amount of depression sometimes that you go through to be able to overcome that, you know, it's big time. What I've noticed sometimes as well is you can trust yourself and your skill, but you also have to trust your body. Yep. And when you go through an injury that's so tough, like an, even an ACL, the, the normal timeline is, what, nine months to a year? Right now, I mean, yeah, we... Without you, yeah. let's just say... <laughs> You see more the the franchise because the players are so expensive. They have a tendency to take a little bit more time, and mm-hmm. sometimes it's a good idea. Uh, sometimes it's not. I feel that's not such a good idea because the player is going to lose that rhythm and that confidence that he right. has. But you cannot put him back on the court if he's not ready. Right. Uh, but you have ways to get ready faster. For example, Spencer. He was cleared at five months and a half, and he came back at Spencer nine months. Didn't did, did, did yeah. uh, But you see, like. Uh, Porzingis, uh, Jamal Murray took about a year and a half. Kawhi, oh, you know, and, and it, it varies from one player to another. Mm-hmm. But yeah, an, an ACL, I would say it's 12, 12 to 12 months. Right. That sounds like normal. And it depends on your sport. Like you have skiers who will come back in like six months. And basketball players too, and I'll focus a little bit more on them because it's what I'm most yes. familiar with and you've worked Me with too. quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> it's my niche. <laughs> Obviously, you you have so many different directions you're going in basketball and you have players who play differently. Like if mm-hmm. you look at a Russell Westbrook style player, yeah. he's explosive mm-hmm. at all times. Yeah. And then you look at someone maybe like a JJ Redick who is not. He's more of a finesse player, not as quick. So their bodies are going to adapt differently. Yes. Depending on the kind of the kind of injury, how they come back from it, how quick it mm-hmm. you know, it and takes sometimes for them they're going to gonna sustain back. injury due to their style of playing as well. Yeah, and that's where I think we we pride ourselves is that whenever I get a, a patient or a player coming into the the office, you rehab, you have a tendency to oh, I'm going to rehab your ACL. 
when I when Spencer came in, for example, it was like, no, we're gonna rehab Spencer. Yeah. So it's not just DSEL. So you remember that Clay Thompson, re- I, and I don't know anything about the rehab. I don't want to say that mm-hmm. they did something wrong or not, but he rehab his ACL, but he tears his Achilles. Yeah. It could be just pure bad luck or, or uh, wear and tear, but you really try to not just focus on the actual site of the injury. You try to focus on the whole, the whole body and the whole person. So how would you do that? To, to kind of make sure that you're not rehabbing one thing, but weakening or creating some sort of imbalance to where you're more prone. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, it takes a village. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it takes a village for, let's, let's take uh, Spencer's example. So a good surgeon first, a good patient first. You, he, he, put in, he did put the work, like Dre, they did put the work. Spencer didn't rehab with the Nets. He came to LA, where he's, that's where he's from. He has all his support system. And he would start at 8 a.m. and he would finish at like 2 p.m. nonstop between uh, Mike Guevara was stretching, doing the strength and conditioning on the other aspect. Mike of G, body. right? Mike G, yeah. Coach Mike G. Yes. <laughs> Mr. Do It Moving. Yeah. <laughs> Shoot out. Uh, great guy. Um, he had his whole team between Barron's, myself. Uh, he had his whole team set up and all his, and he was working six, six, six days a week, you know, mm-hmm. at it. Um, and, and that's how, that's the only way you can do it fast and, and efficiently. You have to put in the work and it's a full day job. Uh, so it's a mix between proprioception, strength, osteopathic to make sure the, what was the cause of the injury, he had issue with his ankles his lower back, and, and little by little, you just put the athletes back into pieces, you know? Like yeah. you, 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 you would um, send off a whole classic car mm-hmm. completely to, to, to remove all the rust right. and put it back together. Something that you touched on is that Spencer stepped away from the Nets uh-huh. to come to LA, yep. and this is during season, yep. to work with you and, like you said, put in hours from 8 a.m. to... Mm-hmm. Whatever he started, time. He started the first week and a half with the Nets and then he moved here uh-huh. and then worked. He actually flew Behrens before the surgery because he has that special treatment that what, before you get surgery, it prevents swelling. Mm-hmm. So just not having a swelling knee, swollen knee after surgery gives us three weeks okay. of, of right. uh, jump start. And then he decided to come and I personally think, even so the franchise, they're a little bit... They don't like it because they like to control. Uh, I think it's the best idea for those type of surgery. Not not that the franchise is not able to rehab you, but you're committed six, seven hours of work every day, nonstop. Right. And most of the athletic trainers, physical therapists with the team, they have to take care of the other players. Right. So it's not necessarily... Because Andre did the same thing with the Thunder. Mm-hmm, and for came, two years. Yeah, and came with you, but came with you for a little while. At the end. Yeah, before. <laughs> I think they let him go. They, they were at that point. I felt that they were they were nice, but they were at that point where like, and it's also sometimes it's a, a different pair of eyes. Yeah, it's not that the the OKC did a wrong a bad job. Right. It's it's a different set of eyes and a different um, scenario for the player. Right. Mentally. Yeah. Like if you've been grueling trying to rehab yourself in the same OKC setup, maybe you need fresh air. Maybe you need a different. Mm-hmm. perspective on on your knee and 
that's what happened. And in the end, worked out for everybody because he was able to go back and contribute to the yeah. team. And, yeah, and even nothing against the, the staff at all. I think OKC has one of the best staffs in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you're right that there isn't that much time for a player who is rehabbing and trying to get back to what they really love if if they are going through kind of the day-to-day of what every other healthy yeah, player and, is going and, through also. <laughs> and, you know, now the staffs, they're like, they're, I, I think they're overstaffed a little bit. There's just some franchise, they have a little bit too many people. Um, but so they would be able to keep someone to stay with the player if the player's not traveling with the team. Yeah. And and that's gonna be also different from one players to another. Some players they wanna they want they're gonna wanna be with the team because it's such a big part of them. They're gonna wanna be around the guys, wanna be in the locker room. Maybe they have a um a personality of being like almost like a mentor to the younger kids. So they right. wanna be there. I would say I don't know him at all, but a Udonis Aslam injured himself. I'm, I have a feeling that he would like to be with the team. Mm-hmm. So I, it's, again, they're so unique. All those players has to be tailor-made. Yeah. There's no real recipe for success. I mean, there is some ingredients of success that you need to do, but it, you always tailor, like you do a, a tailor-made suit. Mm-hmm. Same thing in terms of rehab, in terms of strength and conditioning, in terms of all those different aspects, recovery. You have to figure out what's what works for you. Was there any player who ever came to you that you were like, I don't even know if this is possible, if we can get you back healthy? Yep. yep. Um, Festus Ezili. Okay. Festus you did his podcast recently. Yeah, he's a so great guy. You guys are buds now. <laughs> oh, he's, uh, we were buds since the beginning. He's such a great soul. Um, but I didn't know. I didn't know if we were going to be able to to get him because of the um, the extent of the injuries and surgeries that he had. Was it just the number of injuries, or was it one specific? Everything in- number, the damage to to his cartilage, um, a lot. Like yeah, a little bit of everything. Yeah. Basically. And um, and we tried. We tried for, and I, I don't know, we would have to ask uh, Festus. He was also, I always say, it's always trying to get, my goal in those type of rehab is to try to get the athlete to a point where he can retire on his own terms. Because it's very frustrating not to be able to, to stop your career on an injury mm-hmm. and not to be able to decide, okay, that's it. I'm done. I have nothing left. Boom. And he played again a little bit, but there mm-hmm. was also the question is like the balance between trying to play at all costs and you have 40, 50 years left. Of life. Of life. <laughs> yeah. You might get kids. You want to play with your kids. Right. Do we go that far trying to um, to mess up your knee even more? Do we take that risk? So there was mm-hmm. a whole discussion. It was very deep, uh, very deep rehab with, with Festus. And that goes back to the mentality that you always talk about as the well. The mentality and the mental aspect of being injured, of not being able to play, of I, well, I mean, we can call it depression. It's 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 that's pretty much what it is. So you need also to help rebuild the mental, right. you know, the emotions and the uh, associated with an injury. It's a trauma for a professional athlete. So you were an athlete. I was an athlete mm-hmm. as well. There's also an identity that comes with it when you dedicate your entire life to a sport. Mm-hmm. And so ever thinking about this has to end, everybody knows that their career will end at some point, Yeah, you know, <laughs> whether that is 
because you wanted to step away from the game like I had the ability mm-hmm. to do when I'm grateful for that, yeah. that I was I was done playing. So I walked away. It was never an injury that yeah. stopped me. But there are some people who don't have yeah, that luxury. grace either. Personally, I, I had a stress fracture on my tibia when I was trying to make the professional team in Paris in basketball. So I had to stop basketball, which was my first love. But then I went to physical therapy school and that was another passion of mm-hmm. mine. I knew I wanted to be uh, associated with sports and, and fixing people at an early age. And by working with a rugby team, after three years of physical therapy, I started playing rugby. Okay, and yeah. they're like, oh, you're tall, you're athletic, well, you're at practice, why don't you play with us? And I started to play rugby at, really at a higher level than basketball, and it was like, it was my sport. That's crazy. It should have been my sport. How old were you? I was 20, so I graduated. 1922, 23. So I was between 23 and 25. Two Is when years. you started playing rugby? Yes, I never played before. That's insane. <laughs> when I moved to LA, yeah. I was the biggest Magic Johnson fan. Um, I played rugby for two years at uh, at Long Beach. Uh, I didn't even go to the forum. Didn't even go see the Lakers. And then basketball came back to me. Okay. So wait, how did basketball come back to you? Ronnie Turiaf. Okay. Got drafted by the Lakers. French guy. Um, my first patient here in LA was the, a journalist, a correspondent for L'Equipe, the big French newspaper, uh, sports newspaper. And he's like, hey, there's a, there's a French guy, he's been drafted by the Lakers, do you want to go see him? The, the summer league was at Long Beach at the Pyramid before. Okay. We go there, he's dunking on everyone. We, <laughs> we're supposed You're to like, have yes, dinner. Yeah, <laughs> we, 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 met, we meet him. We're like, hey, let's have a dinner on Friday. He's like, yeah, I'm signing mm-hmm. my contract on Friday. We go to that French restaurant in Venice. He's asking me for foie gras. I know the chef. He's French. Yeah. I know the chef. He does the foie gras. I become his friend. I have that whole Ford, Ford Mustang 66. He loves the car. We go party <laughs> at night. We become friends. He introduced me to Boris Dia, Tony Parker. Start working with them. And then I'm the next, next thing you know, I'm the osteopath for the French national team. That's so, so that's, cool. That's a sh- long story short, but that's how it happened. All that because you knew side. a chef. Yeah. <laughs> you had some good foie gras. Is that how you say and, it? <laughs> yeah, foie gras. And the o- the other, that was the French <laughs> network. And the other one was my friend, my dear friend Gunnar Peterson. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was the, athlete, the strength coach for the Lakers for a little bit. Doesn't he work with the Kardashians now? Uh, he works with a lot of people. I mean, he works with everybody, everyone. Yeah, everybody. He does these signature workouts at F45. Yes, that's him. Okay, so I go to F45, yeah, and cool. it's always like the Gunnar Peterson yeah. workout. I like his That's workouts. Yeah, yeah. And he's a great guy. They're good. <laughs> and one summer, 2010, he sent me Carmelo, sent me Corey Maggetti. So that was cool. my American network. Yeah. And little by little, I never forced anything, just word of mouth. Little by little, people mm. would come. Um, like Candice Parker, for example, she came, she had hamstring injuries and things like that. And we started to work together, and you know, you became friends little by little. The rest is history. Yeah, the rest is history. She won the championship going back home. I mean, Candace is the best. Yeah. I have nothing but good great, things to great, say great human about being. Candace. Um, here on the Courtside Club, we do like to take a halftime break. Okay. The thing about Caesar Sportsbook, it's not just an app. It's your key to a whole empire. Hotels, casinos, restaurants, shows, Caesar's Palace. I'm sure you've heard of it. Every bet you place with Caesar Sportsbook brings you closer to perks only Caesars can offer. Hotel stays at iconic destinations, app bonuses, merch, show tickets, and many more Caesars rewards perks. So get started today. Register using code OmahaFull and then place your first bet up to $1,250. If you win, 
congrats. If you don't, you'll get your stake back as a bet credit. If you have a gambling problem in Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed to Horseshoe, Bossier, City, and Harris, New Orleans. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER, which is 1-800-426-2537. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. New York, call 877-8-H-O-P-E-N-Y or text H-O-P-E-N-Y 467-369. I know that you've worked with a ton of NBA players mm-hmm. and also just a fan of the game. Yeah. So today, I want you to build the ideal NBA player. Okay. In okay. terms of skills or in terms of... Um, so here's the thing. Athleticism. I have, I have a list yeah. of different okay. body and attributes okay. for this player. Okay. You just have to assign a player to these attributes. Okay. And we're building the ideal NBA player. Okay? Yeah. All right. First up, overall strength. LeBron. LeBron's overall strength. Oh, yeah. Okay. Explosiveness. You want modern players or you want also me to go back? Any. Any. You can go back in the day. And uh-huh. we'll take everybody in their prime. Yeah. Prime right, right time now, explosiveness. Right, yeah. Right now, I would really take Ja Morant. I, I mean, I, I think he's, he's unbelievable in terms of explosiveness. It's a phenom. Yeah. So what about speed? Uh, Tony Parker. Tony Parker. Yeah. Is that the quickest NBA player that you've? I don't know. That you've seen? No, because I, I mean, that I've seen. No, I think Russell Westbrook is is also pretty fast. I was gonna say Russell. But the funny story with Tony, we were talking. So start working with him in 2009, and like, did did you ever try to to have a track coach to improve your speed? Uh, And he was like, well. One of the fastest already, you know. Like, there's so much work you can do. I'm like, yeah, but if you had one, you could be f- f- the fastest, you right? Know? Like, because you're already so fast. Yeah. And it's natural speed. It was incredible, but it was a horizontal speed, like on the court and with the ball. Okay. And um, and he was like, yeah, yeah, maybe I should have. But it was late in his career, you know. Like, mm-hmm. said, but no, I didn't. And the very interesting factor with Tony, it's when we would go and play during the summer, and he would play uh, against those international guards. Mm-hmm. Like the Teodosic, and and you right. would, you would realize how fast he was really because when you go Tony against Russell Westbrook, he's fast against fast. It's Lamborghini against Ferrari, right? <laughs> uh, but when he goes back, he play international basketball. You realize how fast he was. That's cool. Yeah, and with and without the ball too. Yeah, because there are some players who are really fast, but with the ball mm-hmm. they're not. Yeah. All right. Next up, we have hand-eye coordination. Hand-eye coordination. That's a great question. This is everything. This is finishing at the rim. This is this could play into steals. This could play mm-hmm. into blocks. This could play into um, ball hand handling. High court, ball hand. I mean, the, the the full package for that, I think, is Steph Curry. Steph Curry. Yeah. 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 I would say um, so. Um, he's, he's he's right there. Okay, so we're taking Steph's hand-eye coordination. What about basketball IQ? Oh, but Draymond. I'm hesitating between LeBron and Draymond. Okay. Yeah, I would put Draymond. And last but not least, overall mentality. Uh, sorry, I'm, 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 I'm. Wait, we're taking away. Okay, wait. Basketball IQ. Kobe. Kobe. Yeah, that's a good one. Kobe, LeBron. I think LeBron is unbelievable. LeBron to me is more like Magic Johnson, which was my my favorite player. Yeah. And I see him being a little bit more overhaul. I, I, yeah, let's put LeBron. <laughs> wait, no, no, no. We we have LeBron as overall strength. I cannot have him twice. You want to have him twice? <laughs> 
He's amazing. All right, I all never right. thought okay. that record would be beaten. Okay, so we'll have LeBron at overall strength and basketball yeah. IQ. Yeah. Okay. All right. And what about overall mentality? You mean toughness? Oh, nice. Nice guy. <laughs> toughness, <laughs> we don't, we don't, we toughness, don't need nice, nice tough, on the court. For toughness, <laughs> and I already named him, but for toughness, mental toughness, it's Tony. Tony Parker? Yeah. Why do you say that? What is something that we haven't seen from him? Guys don't realize that coming from France, when he came in, being the starting point guard after five games mm. at 20-something years old, uh, being um, groomed by Popovich, being groomed hard, uh, Popovich said him himself, like he took, took, he abused him almost, you know, but he made him what he was. To be able to do all of this, win the championships and... Every, I, I hear people saying, oh, he was part of a system, but he ran the system, you know, mm -hmm. and and being that little French kid that comes and able to do that and and the way he was able to mature, mm -hmm. get better. And and also because I saw, I saw him perform with the French national team, we struggled so much to try to win one championship because we had the Gasol, we had Spain, which was the best international team right still a good team you had the two Gasol you had they they, they had Ibaka they had um, Ricky Rubio was playing an Olympic final at 16 oh, yeah. years old yeah. Carlos Navarro Sergio Rodriguez Rudy Fernandez they just had D team and there's no it's no surprise that they went to the final twice against the US so to be able to overcome that and to not give up mm -hmm. we lost the quarterfinal in 2012 in the Olympics it was like we're never gonna beat those guys, but to not give up that that mentality of not giving up, of always trying, trying. Mm -hmm. The two athletes like that for me, it's him and Lindsay Vaughn, the skier. Okay, yeah. She has that toughness too. Yeah, so she's they, a they beast. are the two, the two tough person, toughest person that I think I I've been working with. That's awesome. That doesn't mean the other ones are not tough. Right. I mean, it's another level. That's of another toughness. level. Yeah. Have you read Tim Grover's book? Yeah. So it's that cleaner mentality, right? Um, the cleaner is really Kobe or Jordan. Yeah. Because uh, Tony's a nice guy. <laughs> I mean, obviously, from <laughs> what we heard from yeah. the stories, we heard that uh, Kobe, uh, Jordan could be a It gave them uh, that edge, in, for sure. In the gym and between the lines, he was the nicest guys outside. Um, but, but yeah, that's more like Michael Jordan, Kobe, I think, the cleaner. Okay. But but Tony was in that. He's up there. He's up, he's up there. He's just a sweet he, guy too. That dark side doesn't come out as much yeah. with him, right? He's, <laughs> he's he's probably the most underrated point guard of yeah. all time. I think the fact that he's not in the top seventy-five. It's I mean it's a debate. All those things are debate, but I think it's it's a travesty. There was quite. But a I'm few. completely biased. Before <laughs> before we move on, let's run down. Okay, so this is your ideal NBA player. We have mm -hmm. LeBron's overall strength. We have John Morant's explosiveness. We have Tony Parker's speed, Steph Curry's hand-eye coordination, LeBron's basketball IQ, and Tony Parker's mental toughness. Mm -hmm. It's a pretty solid player. Not bad. I like it. Yeah. All right. It's time for the second half. Okay. Talking about the NBA 75 a little bit, were there any other players that you were hoping made it? It's not that I was hoping. It's just it's so hard to, to make the list. But if if you you ask me that, the one that comes to mind, it's Dwight Howard. Mm -hmm. To me, that was the one that um, that I think 
if you remember Dwight Howard for his eight years of dominance, he was dominating. Right. So I don't know the criterias of what makes a top 75, Clay Thompson. Mm-hmm. You know, but uh, to, go, to go back to Tony, like four rings, one MVP of the finals, I think five or six times All-Star. You don't see him in, in there. I think it's, 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 it's rough. What did you feel about um, Charles Barkley saying what he said about Clay Thompson? Did you hear what did that? He say? I, I remember, but I don't. There I mean, was a little bit of a back and forth, and he, oh, said, yeah, 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 he essentially yeah, said like he's not the player. Yeah, of course. That you tell your Achilles, you tell your ACL, you tell your Achilles. Even so, you rehab an Achilles. It takes about that first year. You you make it. You able to play again. You mm-hmm. come back better the second year. So he did twice. He did, he did two two injuries, ACL and Achilles. So of course he's not the same, but give mm-hmm. him time. Yeah. You know, it's normal. That's what Clay said. Right. I heard yeah. you say even in the interview with Spencer when, when he tore his ACL mm-hmm. for the, that first time and the doctors pretty much told him, we'll get you back. It's going to take this long, but we don't know if you'll ever be yeah, back to I what you used that. to be. And I remember you came in immediately and was like, you don't say that. No. I mean, you could advocate that you say it, but I don't think it's a good idea to say it. Like, wait. It immediately puts doubt in that person's mind. But in some way, sometimes with guys that are that competitive, mm-hmm. it does the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> so, but to me, it's shocking a little bit. I, I'm, I'm a very um, optimistic and positive person. So, no, we... And that's also why sometimes when they get and they tried everything and we I still may be able to instigate a little bit of of fire, like a, a girl like Jackie Jamilos or even Candice was like, no, you you give me that energy to think that I can do it again, mm-hmm. you know, or Chelsea Grace, same thing, that's what she said. Like she, she dislocated her kneecap, got drafted, but you dislocate your kneecap. You don't really know if you're going to be able to play basketball again. Yeah. And then little by little, by staying positive, by working hard, then you slowly see, you know, the end of the tunnel. What would you say is the worst injury that you've seen across sports that is the toughest to come back from? So it was, um, you remember Sean Livingston? Uh-huh. That injury. I, the, the one that I saw that I had to take care of, that I saw on the on the pitch was on, in a, on a rugby, rugby game. Uh-huh. The guy got tackled by a big Polynesian guy. So you can yeah. imagine like... Like the rock, yeah, <laughs> catching the knee, and the whole team hitting the guy, the poor guy, bringing getting momentum the other direction. Okay. So the road runner cartoons, you know, when you fall and you see flat and the leg almost ninety degrees. I mean, <laughs> oh dear, as the details, but bad. Right. So it's a full uh, dislocation of the knee, which is what happened to uh, right. Sean Livingston. So to me, that's that's one of the biggest one toughest one that i have seen and he came back and won a championship after that yeah yeah Yeah, he did a great rehab and the thing is that is that you can always come back if you do the work so if it's a complete dislocation everything is gone is this like tearing everything in your knee basically mcl acl uh um, patellar not not the patellar tendon but there's like a lot of damage yeah and then well the, the, your body heals and right. then you have great <laughs> surgeons that do miracles and then if the again the patient the, the patient the surgeon and the, the physical therapist if everyone do their job correctly you have a shot you've worked with some international soccer players yep. as well what is most common 
injuries that you see in that sport, which is uh, essentially yeah. the most popular sport in the world. Yeah. Uh, so it's very interesting because the young kids that I'm taking care of, they're like playing, obviously playing, you know, one kid plays for Real Madrid, Aurelien Chouamini, the other one plays for Barcelona, uh, Jules Koundé plays, they both play for the French national team. Um, one had his ankle fractured, you know, because they tackle sometimes and mm-hmm. the foot get caught and they break their ankles. ACL, MCL, it's mostly lower extremity injuries. Mm-hmm. Um, adductors, a lot. Uh, a lot of issue with their adductors because they play on different type of pitch. When it's winter, it's very heavy. Mm-hmm. And they're always hitting the ball with the inside of their foot. So they can have issues there as well. Uh, but it's very interesting because those two kids particularly, I started to work with them when they were 16. And they were so freaking oh, wow. mature. Yeah. You knew they were going to succeed. They come from the same team in Bordeaux. And they're big NBA fans. Oh, cool. So it's very yeah. interesting to see that they were raised by Kobe Bryant and LeBron James. Mm-hmm. So with the YouTube, with everything, with all the stuff that they have access to, they study, they, they learn. And it's, yeah. it's very nice to see that they know the game of basketball really, really well. And, and they, like sponges, you know, like they... They um, take they in knowledge. Take in the knowledge from what what they've been seeing. You yeah, know? and uh, those kids they're gonna have a great career, I think. Can you talk about the difference between the Euro League and international basketball as opposed to yeah. and Ameri- yeah, because we're getting now a lot of influence, and even you see guys like Luca mm-hmm. dropping fifty, sixty points. <laughs> <laughs> I think Jason Kidd's doing a great job too. Um, it's almost like a different sport. Few of the rules make it uh, makes it a little bit different. For example, your big center, like your Rudy Gobert, he can stay in the paint as long as he wants. Oh, really? There's no three seconds, uh, huh. defensive three seconds. How interesting would that have been if we had that when Shaq was playing? Exactly. How do you drive to <laughs> the basket? Out, right? How do you, you drive to the basket, you know? So that's, a bi- that's I think, one of the big factors that that makes the game a little bit different. Uh, so it, it seems in some sort of ways that it's way more tactical. And okay. also some of the players are still pretty athletic, but less athletic. Like the best one we see, they, they, they have their hand up in the NBA. So the game is, a, I would say it's a little bit more turn around the shooting which here now is as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But more like fundamental based in a way? I mean, you have fundamental players in the NBA as as well. I don't want to sound that, I mean... Not to downplay it. Yeah, because the US invented basketball and it's still the best basketball in the world, especially during the playoff. Yeah. I won't say the teams, but I saw a game the other day and some players were injured and... I was at a game and like the, that second quarter was looking so atrocious in terms <laughs> of basketball. Yeah, yeah. brutal turnovers, <laughs> yeah, bad decisions. That. That, yeah. You see that, but I'm sure you see that in the EuroLeague as well. Um, yeah, I, I mean, feel like there's, there's a, a little more, from what I've seen, the, the finesse with the players, um, their fundamentals, their basketball IQ is top tier and I'm not saying that it's better than NBA players but it I think there is less like straight athletic ability that they're relying on yeah so they have to heighten you, those you also have to understand that the the system how it is in in Europe compared to the US I, I went to the Real Madrid to work on that soccer player and I visited the the whole 
it's a city uh-huh. where they have 600 athletes from seven years old to the pros. Oh, wow. Women and men, soccer and basketball. So when you look at Donsic coming from Slovenia, I don't know at what, time, at what age he came, but if you come at the Real Madrid at 12 years old, you benefit from all that knowledge at a very right. early age. Mm-hmm. The knowledge, the basketball knowledge, the basketball IQ, because you have some of the best coach in Europe. You have players that play with you. You can train with the pro when you're like 14 or something okay. like that, yeah. probably even earlier. So you see what an adult, professional adult is doing to take care of his body. Then you have access of, to the physical therapist that works for Real Madrid, which mm, they're not, they're probably really good, you know. Mm-hmm. The, when you come to that place, it's a, it's a city. It's unbelievable. Like the, you look at NBA facilities that are pretty nice. It's a all over, on a, an all other level. Like it's <laughs> un- unbelievable. And everything is made for the athlete. Have you seen IMG Academy? I've never been, but I've seen. I've seen. It's maybe stuff. like a similar concept in a way. IMG, I know that that's like. Yeah, it's a little bit same. It's more like the INSEP in France. Okay. Uh, where we send all all our, again, we send at fourteen years old, they go there, and they that's learn crazy. from the best coach. Yeah. And I'm not saying the high school coaches. I'm sure there's amazing high school coaches. There's ama- amazing prep school. There's amazing college program, but mm-hmm. there's also AAU. And I had my kids play AAU, and you can see yeah. kids playing five, six games per weekend, even more sometimes. And they don't have access to that. So mm-hmm. if you look at the, I never looked at, I don't, I don't know if anyone did any number, but for example, the rate of injuries of European players compared to American players. Mm-hmm. I, I, it will be very interesting to look at that and see the, the difference. Definitely. Um, and then if you look at a kid that comes from college and look at Dancish, but Luca is exceptional. But a European player has been playing pro since he was 16 years old. Right. So he comes into the NBA. Maybe he's not the most athletic. Maybe he's not, you know, Jamorant or Russell Westbrook, but he comes with such a baggage of IQ and, right. and acknowledge that most of the time they actually play. I feel that they're, they're very ready to play. Because they're already playing against older guys, yes. experienced guys, bigger guys. It's already a faster speed. Yes. Where if you're coming from college, like say you're a Zion yeah. type player at Duke, like y- you are playing against other top tier athletes, but a college is so much slower. Yes. And, and not as physical. And, you're, and the you're kids are an small. You're <laughs> right. like so exceptional athletically that when you play against those guys, it's almost no competition. Right. And, and you see when the U.S., now when they play internationally they have to adapt and this, it seems that they're starting to have more and more the gap is shortening more and more yeah, yeah, yeah. but also because it's i think a different game yeah and the basketball's influence has grown globally yeah. so much over the yeah. past 10 years yeah, so it's amazing. i think a lot of other players yeah. are getting into the sport aside from what players can do like in the weight room and um, with rehab mm-hmm. At practice, what are things off the court that you suggest to these players to make sure that they can be the healthiest that they can be? Sleep and food. Yeah. Sleep. Sleep is the most important. Uh, like recently, I have uh, Arthur Kaliev. He plays for the Kings hockey. His agent call is like, can you help him? He's not napping. And we just figured <laughs> out to get him to start napping, to oh, wow. take it as a, as a practice. Like yeah. it's going to be hard at first, but you're going to get better at it. And until he got his foot broken by a puck, he was like just thriving because he was, just, because he's great. 
but also having that little nap helped him tremendously. So, is there like guidelines for? Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much the one you see on Instagram. Like, don't don't before going to sleep, for example. Like, the you you're really you bed night sleep. Yeah. Get off the phone. Uh, turn like off the, the light, light yeah, exactly the, like yeah. all, all of those a, col- a colder room a little bit colder room personally i like to say don't drink water after 6 p.m because you want to wake up during the night and, and pee, <laughs> so it's yeah. going to wake you up um no light no sound try to block everything real madrid they have room before the before the big games they bring all the players together the soccer team mm-hmm. you should see so you should see the bedrooms where they put them it's like bunk- what are they like? Bunkers. It's super modern, <laughs> super nice. Yeah. But the the curtains that falls, it's like no, there's no no noise, no light, and mm. full full black. They do it on purpose. They did their studies, you know. Okay. And they get the players to do that on a regular basis. What if they did that for NBA players? I had too many games. I think there's what a if game it was every like two just days. Finals. Maybe finals, but even once you get into a certain rhythm. Right. Then you can't fall asleep without the TV. (laughs) Yeah. You you try to change it. It might affect. It might have an adverse effect. Yeah. But but most of the player, they 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 pay attention to their sleep and the nap. They do it. I think they also just tired. Yeah. That that too. Not that hard sometimes. And uh, what? Yeah. And right now, what I see is they play a lot of video games. Mm -hmm. When you get and try to kill, I don't know how many kills you need to have, and you have to go to sleep after that. Probably not the best. So it's really, yeah, because your brain yes. is still so it's, going. It's really trying to find the balance, the yeah. balance in what you do in, in your life, but you have to prioritize recovery. I see also sometimes players, they're so eager to play, they're hoopers, so they want to play basketball. They, they overdo it. Sometimes they mm-hmm. overtrain. So that's another aspect of it. And then the second one was, is the food. Dietitian. Mm-hmm. Hire a chef or get a food delivery service. If you're a rookie, get a food delivery service it's it's affordable and at least you get your good nutrients you get your good food and you don't have to or you learn how to cook if you you know but it's very important what you put Time in your body consuming to yeah. cook. is the food better in europe to you quality yeah. <laughs> food quality yeah the taste we hear that a lot yeah if you ta- if you taste just a tomato if you taste a tomato mm-hmm. in france or in italy or in spain you'll understand right away mm-hmm. it feels like they feel very lame here <laughs> even even Whole Food or Air One or all those nice uh, organic right. grocery places, it's just not the same taste. Mm-hmm. It feels like you need to have more food in order to get your nutrients. Okay. Um, yeah, no. <laughs> it's Maybe not, not the, the same. best thing for us. Going back to sleep a little bit, we heard Kobe talk a lot about waking up super early mm-hmm. um, and then going in before games or then after game. If he if he wasn't playing well, he'd stay after and shoot yeah. however many shots. But where was his sleep falling well, he into says this? It. It's like he would wake up early, come back for breakfast, take the kids to the school, have a little sleep. Mm-hmm. And he, he probably learned how to do power naps. And yeah. he probably was going to bed early in order to wake up at four o'clock in the morning. If you want to wake up at four o'clock in the morning, you have to go to bed at like nine mm-hmm. to be sleeping at nine. And then I think I, I would say, I don't know because I never worked with Kobe, but... I would say that he was probably very good at power napping and at um, almost like intermittent, you have the intermittent fasting, Mm -hmm. he would intermittent sleep. What do you consider a power nap, like 30 minutes? Yeah, 20. Just trying to, 20 to 30 minutes. Because my 
body actually does that. Yes. Like I can nap, not set an alarm and wake up between like 20 to 30 minutes. Yeah, that's a good one. And you feel very refreshed. Yes, and if I you can't sleep, sleep longer than that or I feel groggy. And if you do sleep longer, you feel groggy. Yes. So you hit, you're probably hitting exactly the right amount of time that you need, but it's, it's, you're letting your body dictate. You don't put an alarm clock and, right. you know, it's, sometimes it's also that we go away from our instinct. Like some people, I'm going to tell you, we were talking about the quality of the food, but mm-hmm. I remember it was uh, in the Olympics in London, Usain Bolt, which was the fastest uh, athletes in the world, before i mean he was we had the at the olympics you everyone eats together there's a huge restaurant mm-hmm. he was eating mcdonald's he was eating a burger <laughs> and i remember that french athlete who was trying to uh, almost eating like macrobiotic or like yeah. super super healthy and she was disgusted because she was like she was a track and field athlete she was yeah. fast but she was like I'm doing all of this and he, the, that guy is just like eating a Big Mac the and, fastest in the and, world. Ki- and he's the fastest in the world <laughs> yeah. so I, I think the most important part is to after like around 23, 24 years old if you're as an athlete you should start knowing yourself what works for you mm-hmm. and trying maybe to tweak things there and there but not to change it too much not change it every off season right. you see some guys going from one one trainer one strength conditioning that off season, then he goes to another one and then try to stick with what's been working really well. Do you have any vegan athletes? I used to less and less. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, I mean, it's a, it's a long debate. Um, I'm vegan. I was just wondering, I have been, I have not eaten meat since I was 18. So it's almost like 15 years now. When did you stop sport? Uh, I stopped that year, but it wasn't related to food. Yeah. I just didn't want to play. Okay. I stopped, I, I stopped after a year. But I mean, you work out or you do feel I like feel you... better. Yeah, I have yeah. way more energy. Yeah. I have not noticed any decline in yeah. like. But you're not pushing the body like a, like a professional athlete. No, but yeah. I did start running after okay. I played basketball and I was doing distance running mm-hmm. and it did work. That okay, but yeah, again, but DeAndre Jordan is yeah vegan. Chris Paul was for he's, quite. Some, oh, is he still? He still is? He, I don't know, huh? but I think, he probably I think still he is. is. Dame was for a little bit, but he stopped. Yes, Damian Lillard was. And I, I saw, will. I saw the documentary. I thought the documentary was great, but oh, uh, the, I know what about. yeah. And I, look, I'm not pushing it on anybody. Yeah. Like no, no, I don't thing. even have any friends who are vegan. I eat meat, but I know. <laughs> that i i've i've done both Mm -hmm. and i feel just from purely like energy recovery little things like my skin it does work Mm -hmm. for me so i was wondering i'm i want to see you in 20 years okay and hopefully you're doing great but i have a lot of patients older patients that have been vegan for like 10 15 years Uh well i'm at 15 year mark okay almost all right Okay, well, the five, five more years. I'll come years. back. I'll <laughs> let you know for sure. But, but again, it, that we go back to what I was saying. It's tailor-made. Like uh-huh. if it works for you, right? it's great. Um, I, do, I personally don't think that an athlete should go uh, vegan. Fully but vegan. It's just me. I don't feel like an athlete should eat meat every day. Um, to me, it's more about what we said, what you said earlier, is the quality of the food. Mm-hmm. Uh grass grass fed grass finish um it's the way they raise 
the food here in the States. My grandparents are from Burgundy, so I would go to the farm and you would grow uh, a cow for the milk, for everything, and they would mm-hmm. eat grass. And I mean, we've been doing that for centuries. Right. Why are we switching? Yeah. Because the quality of what we serve to people is terrible. Mm-hmm. I agree with you on that. One last thing, going back to something that you mentioned, you, uh, the Olympics. Yes, Paris. What, it, what is your best memory from so far, the Olympics? So I did only one. I did, I did um, London. Okay. So I was, we, we qualified in 2011 for the Olympics, so we don't have to do the tournament. We know we're going to London with Tony Parker or everyone. Um, it's the first time he goes to it. It's a big thing. We get there, I'm like, it's perfect, the basketball tournament, you have one game, one day off, one game, one mm-hmm. day off, so I can go see all the other events. I'm super excited. And then the GM from the national team comes to me and is like, me, the doctor, and the strength coach is like, guys, you're going to double up with the girls. <laughs> no, <laughs> like you're, you're breaking my dream. Like I'm at right. the Olympics, that we, we fought so hard for that, I'm going to have to double work and work with the girls. Okay, I'll do it. And then the girls, they had to qualify. So they already had like 20 games and they were dead and they Uh. had to qualify Kuala Lumpur or something like that. And I arrived and I worked with Sandrine Gruda, which was the first one I worked on. And they start, they had no, they they didn't have a a doctor. They didn't have a strength coach. They didn't have an osteopath. And they start to embrace me like with love. Like one girl, I was the sorcerer. And and we start working on every single girl. Yeah. And first game they play, they play um, Australia, and they beat them. Australia was the favorite with the U.S., and so they kept winning. And we have Celine Dumer, who's just on fire. That's the only one I didn't touch. I didn't want it to turn off. I didn't <laughs> I want it to even. Yeah. I didn't want to mess with the zone. <laughs> yeah. And we end up. Uh, my dream was to make an Olympic final against the U.S. in basketball. That's the growl. Right. So we lost in the quarterfinal with the guys against Spain. But we went to the final against um, against the the U.S. And crazy enough, Candice Parker comes off the bench and she (laughs) destroys us. That was my first intro with Candice Parker. With Candice, yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, Oh, because she was young then. Like, if it was 2012. 2012, yeah. Yeah. And, um, well, you know, she had a story with the USA basketball. But but she comes off the bench and she destroys us. But it was super happy. Usually when you lose the final, you're not happy. But we called it uh, uh, white gold. I love that. And uh, we made that beautiful picture. Everyone was super happy. And I I got to leave my Olympic finals. Yeah. Now I'd love to win an Olympic final with the guys against the US in Paris. That's cool. Do you have a medal? Oh, yeah. 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 But uh, the Olympic, it's a funny one as well, because only the players have Olympic medals. Okay. Not even the coach. Huh. So after the federations, they find ways of maybe doing them, but they were not. I found mine on eBay. Wait. <laughs> no, seriously, because you couldn't have it? any. You couldn't Who's have is it, it though? Somebody sold no, theirs? No, no, no. It's, it's fake. It's the oh, replicas. Okay. It's replicas. Got it. I so got I got it. all my European championship medals. The yeah. gold one, that's that they give to staff. But mm-hmm. at the Olympics, they don't give a medal to the staff. That's crazy. So you want a medal. You want a little souvenir. Of and course. One day I was browsing on eBay <laughs> and I had the three of them, the yeah. gold. I, I threw this in like for 75 bucks. But it's, it's actually uh, uh, looks that's like dope. the silver medal. Just like frame it. No one can touch it. Yeah, you exactly. can tell it. Everybody. <laughs> 
everybody it's the real one we won't tell but uh, <laughs> no I, I i know now the federation they 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 do replicas like real replicas and they give it to the staff so if we got the gold in in paris especially in paris i'm sure we'll have an, an original medal that'd be dope yeah we'll be on the lookout for that we are reaching the end of the game so i have some buzzer beaters for you oh okay all right, Fabrice, what is the best game that you've ever been courtside for? Mm, I've been to a few. <laughs> um, playoff game in Utah. Um, um, jazz against Clippers when Rudy blocks um, Morris two years ago. Okay. That was cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because you work closely with Rudy. Yeah, I'm close yeah, with yeah, Rudy. Yeah. I, like, <laughs> I love that kid. He's a... Uh, He's a great person. Nobody knows him really well because he's a little bit of an introvert. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's a great person. And um, with everything that happened to him, to, to see him make that block, uh, it's too bad he didn't walk out over there uh, because yeah. the, whole, the whole franchise was really, really cool. Yeah. Um, and I was actually right. He blocked it uh, like, like right there. Yeah. Right, right in front right of there. us. So that, that was a cool one. That's so. Who is one person dead or alive that you would love to sit courtside with? Jesus? <laughs> <laughs> no, kidding. Uh, you can. No, no, I could. I mean, yeah. yeah. You'd uh, have a lot of questions for him. Uh, exactly. At least I like, would. <laughs> um, no, my two favorite one was Muhammad Ali and, uh, and Magic. Cool. And I would go with Muhammad Ali. Yeah. But I don't know if I, yeah. Uh, I would rather be uh, in a restaurant or... Or, you know, like with no noise and really mm-hmm. taking the time to, but Muhammad Ali, yeah. Maybe you guys can go to the little courtside club area yeah, exactly. in the bar, grab yeah, a drink, exactly. watch the game on TV. You don't even need to be yeah. courtside. <laughs> Muhammad Ali, I would say Muhammad Ali or my dad. Okay. Now, he passed away. So now it would be, it'd be cool Aww. to have my dad with me. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. What is one event in history that you would have loved to have been courtside for? It could be a sporting event mm-hmm. or other. Uh, when France won the World Cup in soccer, 98. Cool. Yeah, I was in vacation. I was in the South. I would have loved to be at that game. Yeah, it's been wild. Yeah. Fabrice, thank you so much You're welcome. for coming on the Courtside Club. Let everybody know where they can find you on social. Uh, so on social, it's mainly Instagram, at uh, Fab9OsteoPro. Um, I have a TikTok that I started, but there's probably <laughs> three videos there. It's mainly Instagram. It takes so much time. Uh, only Instagram um, at fab nine pro. Cool. Thank you. Thank you so yeah. much. I appreciate it. Make sure that you guys like and subscribe, and we'll see you next time. Bye.